Here's the introduction. In 1 Chronicles, the 16th chapter, it recalls, actually, something that we studied a while back. Thank you. Thank you for the reminder, though. Yes, I am. Uh, 1 Chronicles 16 recalls 2 Samuel 6, something that we studied a while back. And I'm going to mention that in the lesson here because it goes back a ways. And at that particular time is when the ark had been moved to Jerusalem. David was making Jerusalem the political, spiritual capital. And then David on that occasion calls Israel to worship. And in 1 Chronicles, the 16th chapter, it's that psalm, it's that song that he gives them uh, for that particular time. So there's actually four points we're going to take a look at this morning. He calls them to worship, to celebrate God's works. He calls them to worship, to remember his covenant. He calls them to worship for the world's sake. And we'll talk about that in a moment. And then worship for their security or to give thanks because of their security in Him. So first point there, worship. Celebrate His works. First Chronicles, 16th chapter. David is king. They have conquered Jerusalem. He's moving the ark there. He's going to make Jerusalem the political spiritual capital of Israel. These are good days. And David has moved in and he is setting up there in Jerusalem. And now on this occasion, he instructs the Levites, you need to lead the nation in worship. And so, as you give consideration to that, that sounds really positive. And it is on that particular occasion. But we're reading from 1 Chronicles 16. We're not reading from 2 Samuel 6. And so what I want you to keep in mind is as we get into this today, 1 Chronicles 16 is 500 years later. And the writer's looking back to the glory days. Do we ever do that as a nation? Yeah, we do, don't we? We're getting ready to in a couple days. July 4th, Declaration of Independence. And we think about those glory days. That's what the writer of Chronicles is doing. And on this particular occasion, he's telling them to give thanks, sing praises to the Lord, declare it to the nations and let them know. Shout! (laughs) Praise, praise God. And that's, that's a positive thing. You know, though, a number of years ago, I'll give you this illustration as we kind of get into this this morning. Though. A number of years ago, when you still got the paper on the driveway in the morning, There was an article that was in there about Chicago and what was going on with their sanitation workers in Chicago at that particular time. And and there were some issues and things that they were that they were that they were struggling with. Low morale, absenteeism, a lot of turnover. And so the city was struggling with what are we going to do about this? It's vital in every city that you have water, 
and that you have sewers. And now they got an issue with the sanitation department. And so they finally decide we're going to hire a new manager and we're going to bring in a new manager and see if he can do something to help us out. So as soon as that new manager came in and took over, the first thing he did was he threw a party. And he got all the sanitation workers together. He got their families and he invited everybody that wanted to come. And and he, he threw a party. It was like a pep rally. And it was like he was recognizing these people for what they were doing and how critical that was. And at that particular kind of gathering party, if you want to call it that, he had a big banner made and then they unfurled it and across that banner it said, bringing sewers above ground. Bringing sewers above ground. And when they saw that, they all shouted. They all applauded. It was a happy day. Here's these workers. They were finally getting some recognition and being appreciated for what they were doing. It had never been celebrated before. And essentially what he had decided was a change in altitude would bring about a change of attitude. So he said, bringing sewers above ground. That's the illustration. So how does that apply to us? And how does that apply to 1 Chronicles, the 16th chapter, and what's going on at that particular time in 1 Chronicles 16? So let me say this before we go any further. You and I, and everybody that's gathered here this morning, We come here on the first day of the week to worship, don't we? And we're a lot of different folks from a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different occupations, a lot of different jobs, a lot of different things going on in your life and my life and maybe the person sitting next to you and the person across the aisle from you and the one that's up here and the one back there. Different things going on. Facing different challenges, different struggles, different issues. And yet we come together on the first day of the week and collectively we're going to worship. And let me say this. Those sanitation workers. We kind of look at that, you know. And we think about people that are in that occupation. And we don't talk about it a lot, do we? Have you talked to anybody lately that works underground in Kansas City or in the sewer department and with all of that? Do you know what's there, don't you? And you know it's important. And you know it's critical. And you know it's kind of yucky, don't you? (laughs) Do you know that 
sometimes we that collect that come together on the first day of the week to worship sometimes we can come from offices that are filthier than the sewers you hear what I'm saying some of our schools in this country are darker than the tunnels that people work in. Some family situations, not trying to be critical, I'm just saying it's being real. Some family situations reek to high heaven. Sometimes we spend days or weeks trying to keep the gunk out of our hearts and out of our lives. Sometimes people are struggling to keep their life. This is a little graphic, but just stay with me. Trying to keep their life from smelling like a cesspool. So we might come together after a week, maybe where we're in an environment where, as a Christian or as a person of faith, you get no respect. And you're kind of looked down upon. And you're that outcast in society. So let me ask you this. Do you think on Sunday mornings that sometimes it's kind of like we get a chance to climb up out of the sewers for a while? Have you ever been walking down the street, driving down the street in downtown Kansas City and you see that little orange fence that they've got stretch, you know, stretched out there. It's kind of that elastic type stuff, and they stretch it out there, and it's kind of like a little work area, work zone. And maybe it's the middle of the street, and right in the middle of all that is that manhole cover. <laughs> and they've lifted the manhole cover, and you drive by, and somebody's climbing up out of there. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, above ground, <laughs> you know, come to the light, a little fresh air. <laughs> Do you ever think on Sunday mornings? that sometimes that's kind of the way it is for us. You get a chance to climb up from the filth and the stench of the world to a place where you can breathe spiritual air and do priestly type things. As I was preparing for this lesson this week, I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if we took that orange fence and struck, strung it around out there across the grass and stuff, it's like, keep the world out. <laughs> We've come here to worship. So now, to make the point, the First Chronicles 16. See, David in 2 Samuel 6 
has brought the ark to Jerusalem. He's making it the capital for the nation. And it's good times. And he tells the Levites to lead the people in worship. They're going to celebrate. But First Chronicles, the 16th chapter, is 500 years later. And the writer of Chronicles is writing to those few that have returned back home. Now, a lot of times we look at that and we think, wow, oh, great. (laughs) Israel's going home. (laughs) And we think, freedom. And it's kind of like, no. (laughs) It's not really. Because you know what just happened? They were carried away into Babylonian captivity. They spent 70 years there. They were looked down upon. There were times when they were chided. Remember when we talked about those who sat beside the river Kibar and along came their captors and said, Sing us a song. (laughs) Tell us about your homeland. Tell us about your God that our God conquered. And they said, We can't sing. How can we sing in a foreign land? Until finally Cyrus the Persian came along (laughs) and Babylon had fallen but now it's the Persians and it's Cyrus and he's telling them you can go home see we celebrate July 4th you know why (laughs) because we declared our independence and then we fought a war to have our freedom and our independence you know what Israel is doing they're going home because somebody tells them they can go home. They didn't fight no war. (laughs) They didn't win no freedom. They're going home because another foreign power is allowing them to go home. And Cyrus, I'll let you go home. You can go back and build that temple if you want to. It's okay with me. (laughs) And you can worship your God. (laughs) Just don't ever forget who's in control. Right? And so, they're back. And the writer of 1 Chronicles is writing to them. And they have been in the stench and the sewers, so to speak, of Babylon. And now you're going back, and it's a little better, but it's still not where they want it to be. It's still not where God wants it to be. But He's going to allow them, Cyrus is going to allow them, and God is going to tell them as they go back. He's going to tell them celebrate. Celebrate. Sing. And this song that is recorded here in First Chronicles, the 16th chapter, this is a psalm. This is a song that they will sing to God, but it's for them. Now let me ask you, do we do that? Isn't that exactly what we did? We sing to God, but aren't those songs for us?
It certainly is. So in verse 8, he says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Some translations say, Make known His deeds among the nations. What do you think about that? These people are back home. They're still living under a foreign power. And He's saying, You sin." And you let them know. Make him known, your God known among the nations. So they're to celebrate, and they're to acknowledge, and they're to honor, and they're to praise. And that's what we do publicly, that's what we do collectively. But as we do that, we're motivated individually. And coming together is a wonderful thing. It's a blessing. But I also say this. That sometimes it's a challenge. Just recently. Within uh, last week or so. I was sitting in my office. I heard something at the door. And hospice, Three Rivers, is just across the hall. And a lady came in and she asked me. She said, if we have a family or an individual that would like to come in and just sit and think for a while, meditate for a while, pray for a while, could they just come in? I said, sure. <laughs> More glad to have them. If they need to talk, we'd be glad to talk to them. Now the point I make is this. We come together and we worship together collectively. And I guess like today, maybe I would be kind of of the disposition and I appreciated Colby's reading, Estuardo's songs. And so if you ask me, I'd say, let's shout. <laughs> it's good. But there may be somebody else that's here that says, you know what? I need some time just to sit and to think. You follow me? We've come together to collectively worship. But we may be motivated differently. Today, I need to sit and think and thank the Lord. Today, I need to pray for something that's going on in my life. Today, <laughs> I want to shout. You see what I'm saying? So as they came back, some of them were seeing it differently. <clears throat> but God said, you make his name known. Verse 12. Remember his marvelous works which he has done. His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. The writer there uses like three different words that I want to just kind of quickly point out. He says, remember his works 
And whenever it talks about those works there, it's the kind of word that is used to point at something that is really astounding, really amazing. It's the kind of thing you look at it, your eyes bug out, your mouth drops open. It's like, wow! (laughs) How did he do that? (laughs) It's the type of reaction we might have if we were there whenever creation took place. Let there be light and all of a sudden there's light. (laughs) It's like, how'd that happen? (laughs) He speaks and it, it is. It's the kind of thing when Moses raises his staff and he says, Behold the salvation of the Lord and the waters of the Red Sea part and they pass over on dry ground. Wow. How did he do that? That's what he's saying. Remember his works. And then he goes on and he says, Remember his wonders or his miracles. And it's interesting, context there and the way it's what's used. What that means is like an act of God that has purpose, has intent behind it, and you recognize it. An illustration might be Passover in Egypt. When they were told to eat that lamb and then take that blood and smear it on the doorposts of their houses, and that night the death angel would pass over their house if he saw that blood. Otherwise, he's going to strike down all the firstborn in Egypt. That's that wonder. That's that merit. It's like with a purpose. God said, do it. And if you don't, it'll cost you. It had purpose. It's the kind of thing that took place on Mount Carmel with Elijah. Remember that? The showdown on Mount Carmel. And they were trying to decide whether Baal was God or whether Jehovah was God. (laughs) And then Elijah built his altar and he put the sacrifice on it and then he drenched it in water and they prayed. And he said, the God that answers by fire, he's God. (laughs) And what did Jehovah do? He sent fire licked up all that water, consumed that sacrifice, and all the people fell down and said, He is God. Jehovah is God. That's a wonder. That's a miracle with a purpose behind it. And then he says, remember his judgments. And what that word means is it can mean like a verdict that God has rendered. It's like this. God rendered a verdict, a judgment about Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember that? It's like God said, that's enough. And they didn't listen. And he said, that's enough. You ever see a parent tell a child, that's enough? I can tell you this that when me and my siblings were growing up on the farm, and when my dad finally got to the point where he said, that's enough, you knew that was enough. (laughs) But you ever see a parent say, that's enough, and then nothing happens? 
So the child begins to think, God says that's enough. That's a judgment. Sodom and Gomorrah. That's enough. It's a verdict that is rendered. Judgments. Judgments also carry another meaning with it, though. Judgments can mean decisions that God has made in regards to life. It's His judgment. This is what is best for you. And He tells you His judgment. Psalms 119 and verse 97 says, Psalmist says, Oh, how I love your law. And on it, on it I meditate all the day. It's that same psalm, Psalms 119 and verse 105, where it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God is showing you. That's a judgment. He's showing you which way to go. Same psalm, verse 106. I will keep your righteous judgments. So the writer in 1 Chronicles 16, he says, remember, you're going back. And remember his works. And remember his wonders. And remember his judgments. Now for those of us who have been studying together on Wednesday nights. And we've kind of watched what has happened to this nation. Do you think they should remember his works. And his wonders and his judgments. The mere fact that they forgot all that. the reason why they ended up in Babylonian captivity wasn't it. And now they're coming back. And he says, remember. Sing, give praise, remember. And they are to worship and do that. Let me tell you what one writer said in regards to worship and regards to giving praise and to remembering God and His, His works and His wonders and His judgments. He said, worship is truth wedded together with praise. Worship is theology fused together with thanksgiving. Worship is necessary for truth because truth is incomplete without worship. Can we see that? When you recognize God and who He is, when you recognize the works that He has done, when you recognize the wonders, when you recognize His judgments, it should lead us to worship. We want to worship. And that's what He's saying. Second, I know that first point was a little long. These others go a little faster, okay? So. <laughs> Worship. Remember His covenant. Verses 14 through 18. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember His covenant forever, the word which He commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant which He made with Abraham and His oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute, to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan. What He's telling is that whenever you come together for worship, you remember 
the covenant that you have, the covenant that God had made with them, for them to remember Mount Sinai. So I'm saying 1 Chronicles 16 is about 500 years after 2 Samuel 6. Well, guess how far back Sinai is? (laughs) It's pushing a millennium. It's pushing a thousand years. And he said, you need to remember that covenant that God made. And in Exodus, the 19th chapter, how he had said, I brought you out and you shall be a special treasure to me above all nations. And in Deuteronomy 7th chapter, he tells them exactly why he chose them. You know why he chose them? Because he chose them. That's what he tells them. I didn't choose you because you were more. I didn't choose you because you were mightier. God chose because God chose. God showed His love to them. It was a blessing that He was extending to them for them to be in a covenant relationship with us. It's the same thing we remember when we come together for worship. Matthew 26, this is my blood of the new covenant. 1 Corinthians 11 that we just studied. We gather around and we remember His body and His blood. And till He comes again. That's what Brian talked about in class this morning. To remember that covenant. 19 through 22. When you were few in number, indeed very few, and strangers in it, when they went from one nation to another and from one kingdom to, an, to another people, he permitted no man to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sake, saying, Do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. What he's reminding them is that there's a time they were, they were just traveling. They were going from one place to another. And see, that's the same reminder that we get from the book of Hebrews. We're just pilgrims. We're just sojourners. We're just passing through. This is not our permanent home. Philippians, the third chapter. Our citizenship is in heaven. So you think about that. And you think about those Jews that are going back home. They are being allowed to go back. They're still under somebody else's thumb, so to speak. This mighty nation. And we studied Saul and then David and Solomon. We saw what the kingdom was like when Solomon was king. And the glory that Israel had at that particular time. Proud nation. Other nations looking to them. And then they had gone from that all the way to Babylonian captivity. (laughs) How they had fallen. And yet now, they're coming back. And what's he say? Make him known among the nations. 
Remember that covenant. Remember who you are. Remember the God who called you. And all that He has done. Remember that covenant. And then worship for the world's sake. I'm going to just read verse 24. Declare His glory among the nations. His wonders among all the people. You stop and give consideration to that too. And in that particular time and those circumstances. And they're returning home after exile and when they get there you know what they're going to see they're going to see a city that is in total ruins the walls have been destroyed the city has been destroyed that magnificent temple that Solomon built has been destroyed they walk back look come back to total destruction and they think about who did that? Well, Babylon did. And then they carried us away. And we stayed there till finally Persia conquered them. And now he's allowing us to come back. And what does he say? Declare him among the nations. If somebody came in and robbed your house, destroyed it, and then burned it to the ground, would you be singing praises to them? <laughs> Probably not, right? But he says, that's what you should do. Worship for their sake. Why is that? Because they need to know the God of heaven also. They have something to say to the peoples of the earth. And one of the things that they've got to say that the world does not want to hear, the world does not want to hear. God's people, God's people, the most significant people on the face of this earth. Is that the way you feel? It's the way we should feel. Not in a proud, arrogant sort of way. Because just like God said when He called them out of Egypt, out of Egypt, I chose you. We've been chosen through Jesus Christ. We have something to say to the world. Set before the world that He is the one true God. Psalms 96. And He is the one to be feared. And the other thing is, if you don't want to listen to me, just look around at nature. Because all nature sings and declares the glories of God. And finally, they're to worship for their security. I'm going to read verse 34 through 36. Oh, good thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. And say, save us, O God, for our salvation. Gather us together and deliver us from the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name, to triumph in your praise. Blessed be the God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord.
They did that in 2 Samuel 6. Because they were on their way up. Easier then. Isn't it easier to sing praises to God when everything's going good? But can we sing when the things are being difficult? 1 Chronicles 16, it's a whole lot more difficult. He's saying, give thanks to the Lord and praise Him and that He gathered us. And that's an interesting word. And we think about, and we talked about the resurrection this morning. And then we think about one day all of God's people will be gathered. But there's another type of gathering. You remember Matthew, the 23rd chapter? It's that final week whenever Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and He stops and He weeps over the city. He said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How often I would have gathered you like a hen gathers her chicks. But you would not. You know what He was saying? I wanted to bring you under my protective wings. But you refused. I wanted to gather you. And that's what this is talking about. God wants to gather us. And for us to follow Him. And to be under His protective wings. You know, we sing... Some glad morning when this life is over. Oh, what? I'll fly away. Or sometimes we sing on that bright and glorious morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of His resurrection share. When the saved of all the earth are gathered. Gathered on that other shore. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Gather. He wants to gather us now so that we'll be gathered later. So as we think about coming together and worshiping on the first day of the week, think about that for a moment. That it's that opportunity those few moments when we can kind of climb up and breathe spiritual air, fresh air, do priestly things, sing praise unto God, pray unto God, encourage one another, and think about where different people are in their life each day. Are they ready to rejoice? Are they needing encouraging? Do they need to sit and meditate for a while? What is it? And how we can help? We worship to celebrate. We worship to remember. We worship for the world's sake. And we worship for our security. So 1 Chronicles 16 is a song, a psalm that was sung to God, but it was sung for them. And to encourage them to never forget to worship.
What he wants them to do is to climb up and see their situation and see the world from God's perspective. A change in altitude can bring about a change in attitude. I want to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. If we can help you in any way making your relationship right with the Lord today, please let us know while together we stand and while we sing.